Welcome to the debut edition of the Gold Standard, a new Nashville Predators podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. And the name speaks for itself because my co-host is from The Athletic, Adam Vingan. Adam, how are you, sir? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I, I, I feel like the entire offseason of hockey is strange this year, but it's 2020. Everything is strange this year. Yeah, well, certainly I did not expect to be watching playoff hockey in September, uh, <laughs> but here we are. Yes, uh, no question about it. First of all, tell everybody where they can find your work, where they can follow you and pester you and bother <laughs> you on the socials, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, well, certainly uh, you can find my my work, my stories on theathletic.com, uh, where myself and my colleague Joe Rexroad um, you know, combined to cover all things Nashville sports, uh, but specifically for myself on the Predators, uh, that is where you can find my work on Twitter at Adam Vingan, V-I-N-G-A-N. You'd be surprised by how many misspellings there are of that last name. Um, and this podcast now. There you go. <laughs> so so please rate, review, and subscribe. If If I can talk Adam into it, maybe he can... Maybe he can t- start tossing some discounts to some of our listeners who review. I don't know if you've got that kind of power. We are. We we do have plenty of of, of specials. We always have specials at the Athletic, um, whether it's a seven day free trial, whether it's forty to fifty percent off of a yearly subscription, which works out to I believe between two fifty and three dollars a month. Um, so certainly, I, I will be promoting. Uh, any and all specials uh, that we have at any given time. And, and listen, I, I think it's totally worth it. And part of what we want to, what we want to accomplish on this show is to sort of, I, I don't know about, about you, Adam, but I, I think sports talk and sports media in general, I think some of this is what the goal of The Athletic is, is to get back to actually being diehard sports fans. And I think so much of sports media is not about the actual product anymore. It's about creating something we can yell about or, or whatever. And I think what we're going to do on this show, and I think what the athletics strives to do in general is to sort of get back to being, you know, I'm a sports nerd. I, I, I love getting deep in the weeds on topics. I think the Preds fans deserve a product that gives them something that's deep in the weeds. Uh, that means if we're going to talk, we might talk Corsi scores here on the sh- on the show, you know, like we're going to, you're going to get some analytical stuff here, but you're also going to get honesty you're going to get authenticity on this show. I don't think there's going to be a better Nashville Predators show out there than the one you and I are going to do. And I think, you know, I'm really proud to have you on the network and on this show. Well, thank you. And and you're right that The Athletic does not traffic in hot takes. That's just not our business model. Um, certainly, uh, we do have plenty of excellent columnists. As I mentioned, Joe Rexford here in Nashville, who will provide their opinion and and do so incredibly well, but uh, not a lot of first take, uh, <laughs> undisputed. Is that the show with I, I Shannon Sharp know. and Skip Bayless? I've never watched it. Uh, <laughs> sounds, seen, sounds like it. Seen plenty of the uh, promos on Fox while watching other Fox related programming. Um, Wrestling, probably right. Yes. Friday Night SmackDown is on Fox now, um, but also. Uh, football um so (laughs) we're watching that i see plenty of that this is a long-winded way of saying no hot takes here yes uh and i do want people to get to know adam vingan myself a little bit more and that that means of course you'll get to know all of his wrestling takes because he does love wrestling. i do love the art of professional wrestling (laughs) 
<laughs> like the wording there. Wordsmith Adam Vingan calling it the art of, of professional wrestling. So that's sort of the gist and the mission statement of what the gold standard is going to be. I think it's right there in the title. I think uh, we, we think it's going to be the best Preds podcast out there, and, and we hope you subscribe. So please rate, review, and subscribe. Do all that good stuff. Uh, tell all your friends, tell all your buddies, tell all your family members that this is this is the show where you're going to get the best, most unvarnished content about the Nashville Predators. And we're going to start with our debut pilot episode here, Adam. Essentially, with, with a very large, I don't know what the right, it's not an encyclopedia, but but basically like, a you know how they give those big LSAT books to people that are about to take like the l- l- lawyer tests or the L- SAT or... You know, you get those prep d- test books, right? The big fat ones that the Princeton are... Review. Yeah, is what I remember when I was in high school preparing to go to college. This is a preparatory course in the Nashville Predators offseason. Okay, that, that, does that sound okay? Yes, that sounds fine. <laughs> and and I and I we just said we're not going to do hot takes, so this is going to so, sound sort of strange with this question. But I I would like to know if you think that this is the most important offseason that you can remember on the beat for the Nashville Predators. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it is a complicated question, um, but essentially, yes, I, I do. Um, just because of where this team seems to be trending, um, we know by now, of course, that the Predators uh, were one of the twenty-four teams that participated uh, in the return to play tournament. Uh, they were eliminated in four games in a five-game series. Uh, by the Arizona Coyotes, who were the 11th seed in the Western Conference, who then went on to get absolutely demolished by the Colorado Avalanche in the in the actual first round of the postseason. Um, and, and I wrote a column uh, that came out that day, the day that the Predators were eliminated by the Coyotes, where I, I we talk about hot takes. This is probably the closest thing to a hot take <laughs> that I've had, that the Predators were quote-unquote, drifting toward irrelevance. And what I mean by that is the worst place for a team to be in professional sports, in my opinion, is stuck in the middle because you're not good enough to win a championship, but you're not bad enough to take advantage uh, of your of your poor play. Of your awfulness. Of your awfulness. Thank you. I was going to say badness, but that's not <laughs> a word. Um, of your awfulness to attain high draft picks now of course the predators in this unique situation by being eliminated from uh the qualifying round did have an opportunity to claim the number one pick in the nhl draft but they did not the new york rangers did the predators will have the 11th selection in the nhl draft in october uh their highest selection in six years um so they will have an opportunity to uh put a a, uh, a a high quality prospect in their system, which they absolutely need to do. But back to my original point, you know the Predators are trending downward. Um, of course, the the apex was the Stanley Cup final appearance in 2017. Uh, they did win the President's Trophy as the best team in the regular season the following year, but they were eliminated in the second round in seven games by the second best team in the NHL, the Winnipeg Jets. Then in 2019, first round loss to the Dallas Stars. And then, of course, this year, not even making the 16-team field, being eliminated by a franchise that I believe had not made the playoffs in eight years. A franchise Uh, that has fun with the Nashville Predators, it feels like, over time. Yes, the Arizona Coyotes seem to have the Predators number 
in these playoff situations. Would, um, would you call this a rebuild? Like I, I, I've had, I've heard fan, from fans that are on the desolate side of things that yes. say, "Oh my God, we're going to be in trouble for so long. This is we're in, we're in, we're in deep shit." You know, blah 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 blah. And then I have, you know, then there's the homers that think, no, 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 we've got all the pieces. We spent all this money. We're going to be fine. I, I'm not really sure if you call it a rebuild or not. I think it, some of it depends on how many moves David Poyle is going to make in the offseason. And this show is going to sort of go through systematically and look at all the decisions that are coming in the offseason, expansion draft, free agents, what to do with Kyle Turris, uh, goaltending, the prospects, the free agency world, the draft. We're going to try to look at all of that and give you guys a prep course for for the offseason for for your favorite hockey team. And I guess I'm not really sure. I don't think it's a rebuild. I I think if the right pieces are put in place with the right way, I think they can be one of the top two or three teams in the division. Again, I, I don't believe in windows, Adam. Well, I I know what the St. Louis blues did. I don't believe in windows. I I know that's how you feel. And I, I would tend to agree, you know, it's, you know, we might be, you know, parsing language here, but you know, you know, I wouldn't call it a rebuild more than a retooling or a refresh, which to me does not have the same, you know, negative connotation as a rebuild. Um, but again, it might be a, a, an argument in semantics. But um, when you look at the Predators roster now, the NHL, when the tournament was about to begin, put out a put out like a, a stat pack of everything. Uh, that was going to take place. And once the uh, postseason rosters were announced, they they put out a, a stat pack uh, of of the rosters, of the makeup of the rosters. And the Predators had the second oldest team on average of the 24 teams that returned to play. Now, of course, and I've made mention of this every time I've mentioned that statistic, that they have a 37-year-old goaltender <laughs> and a 37-year-old defenseman who recently retired. Uh, that were that was uh, those two were skewing uh, that average, but still the Predators are not a young team by NHL standards. A lot of their top players are in the midst of or on the uh, back end of their prime years. Uh, I believe Dante Fabro was the only everyday player the Predators had that was under the age of twenty five. He's 22, I believe. Yes, and yeah. he's and he's not 18 or 19. Right, you know, right. He's in his early 20s, I believe. UC Soros was the second youngest player, and he's he was I think he started the season at 24, and now he's 25. So, you know, Dante Fabra was also the only everyday player on an entry level contract. So the Predators, by NHL terms, are an older team, even with you know Pecorine and Dan Hamhuis, uh, you know, maybe fudging the numbers a little bit, but. When you, when you look at where the Predators are, they have a lot of money tied up in their big-name players. You know, when you look at the, the free agents coming off the books, um, there are some of significance, and we'll get to that, um, namely Mikhail Granlin and Craig Smith. But it's not as if, though, Ryan Johansson or Ryan Ellis or Matias Ekholm are going to be free agents in the next year or so. In, in fact, Matias Ekholm is going to go up in price. Yes. Very soon. Um, I believe... Uh, he and Philip Forsberg both have two years remaining on their I, contracts. I can't um, believe that the Forsberg deal is is even close to being. I remember when he signed that, everyone thinking, "Way to go, David Poyle, Philip. You might regret this, but it, it's we're already at the end of it almost. It's yeah. crazy." Um, but you look at the other core players. 
You know, Victor Arvidsson has several years left on his contract. Ryan Johansson, who signed an eight-year contract in 2017. Victor Arvidsson signed, I believe it was a seven-year contract in 2017. Um, Matt Duchesne signed last year to a seven-year contract. You know, Kyle Turris, who we'll get to in a moment. He gets his own section. He gets his own section. I believe he has four (laughs) years left on his contract. So there aren't any easy outs. So... You know, David Poyle said when he and John Hines addressed reporters after the season ended um, in August uh, that all options are on the table, quote unquote. And, you know, I, I take him at his word, but I'm just skeptical of what exactly he'll be able to do, not just because of the term and the length, you know, the term and the, and the money is uh, tied into these long term contracts, but the salary cap is remaining flat for next season at $81.5 million. So it's not as if, though, they'll have more wiggle room um, to play with. Um, a lot of teams are in the same position where they don't have much room to work with under the cap. Um, if the Predators are looking to make changes, it's going to be difficult just because they're either going to have to trade a bad contract for a bad contract um, or they're going to come out on the wrong end of a trade. Um, you know, you think of, you know, the one trade I always go back to when, when not, this is not a Predators trade, but it was several years ago. Um, I believe it was Brian Bickle. The Chicago Blackhawks were trying uh, to dump Brian Bickle's contract, and the Carolina Hurricanes were willing to do so. But in order to make it palatable for the Hurricanes to take on that albatross of a contract, they had the Blackhawks throw in Tavo Teravainen. Now, Teravainen, I would consider to be a core member of the Hurricanes, uh, a young player who who produces plenty of offense. So the, the Predators, to get rid of a contract, are, you know, their, their yeah. caliber of prospects, yeah. you know, your mileage may vary, but... They're not. They're going to be negotiating from a position of weakness. Let, let me. This was not going to be a question I was gonna. We were going to discuss, but it is a good jumping off point because we'll get to Turris, and I think we've got ideas on how the Turris saga could end here in Nashville or continue for for those who are excited about that. I I, I just don't see right like the the core group of guys that are already signed to the long term deals that you're talking about. Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson. Um, Ryan Ellis, Matt Duchesne, you know, I don't see Roman Yossi now, obviously, like, you know, I don't see those four or five guys being available. I, I don't see them being moved. They, I mean, listen, anybody's available. David Poyle has made that very clear throughout his career that at any point he's willing to do anything if he thinks it makes his team better. And, and certainly he might be under more pressure this offseason than ever before to pull the trigger on something like that. But I, I want to set the benchmark for both of us early here in that I don't think any of the the big names locked into the big contracts outside of Kyle Turris, which I would not consider a big name, but it's a big contract. I don't think any of them are getting moved. Is that fair or do you do you disagree with that? I, I would tend to agree. I'm always I'm always cautious to make declarative statements when it comes to No, you have to say it right now and you'll be <laughs> held accountable forever. I, I'm always cautious to make those declarative <laughs> statements because I've been wrong before. And as you mentioned, the Predators have proven over the past several years that they aren't afraid to make a big deal 
when it appears to make the team better. Uh, but when you look at the pieces that they could move, um, you know, pieces that would still accomplish shaking things up, quote unquote, but but allowing the the core to stay intact. You know, I think of a player like Nick Bonino, um, who had another. See, that doesn't feel good, though. But uh, but you have to. <laughs> but we've talked that we talked about this last summer too. That you know, Nick Bonino had a fabulous offensive season last season, which was to be clear, 2018-19, which seems like a decade ago. But you know, as I wrote, you know, extensively, a lot of that was based on puck luck. Um, he did uh, serve me a, a slight, maybe a side dish of crow this past season. Was it braised? Could, How do you prefer your I'm crow, I'm not Adam? sure. Uh, I, I prefer grilled. Grilled? Grilled okay. crow. Grilled crow. Um, he had another very solid season. And the one game that the Predators won in the in the qualifying round, you know, yep. he had a goal. He, I think he blocked five or six shots. He won 60% of his face-offs. I mean, it was, it was a, a crash course in what makes Nick Bonino so valuable. And, and you know he is held in high esteem uh, in the NHL for sure. And he's on an expiring contract. Uh, this is the final year of his four-year, sixteen point four million dollar contract. So a four point one million dollar cap hit. I mean that is the kind of player that you can move that would get you an asset back, whether it's a draft pick or a prospect or something. But you but does know, it make you better? Nick Bonino, I feel in, like in this year coming up, Nick Bonino is one of those players. Well, not well, trying not to disregard the contributions that he has made. You know, he is the kind of player that you can replace with somebody younger. I mean, I, I, okay. I, I can see, and we talked about this last summer as well when we we're talking about the Predators offseason. You know, Colton Sissons is yeah, the prime is the prime you know player to take Nick Bonino's position. You know, he can play third line center. I mean, he's he can play in on the fourth line too, but he's that, you know, penalty uh, kill. Yes, penalty yeah, kill. Yeah. He can he you know, he he makes some appearances on the power play from time to time. Um so maybe a hat trick in game six. Right. Whatever. You know, one of the biggest games, <laughs> one of the biggest performances in Predators franchise history. Um, but you know, I think when you look at movable assets that can actually get you a good return, I mean, the Nick Bonino is Perhaps on is perhaps number one on my list. And you're saying of names that you think would be smart because like you could move Dante Fabro and get a lot but, in return, but why would you do that? No. It doesn't make any sense. David Boyle was talking about when he was talking about what constitutes his core last month. You know, to paraphrase, he said, just when you look at the basic depth chart of a team, your goaltender or goaltenders, your top four defensemen, your top line, that's your core. Yeah. So that's. Pecorine and UC Soros, Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi, Dante Fabro, Matias Ekholm, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, and Victor Robinson. Yeah, yeah. So I I also think that the play of the top line... Okay, here's one thing if you want to learn something about me on this podcast. I absolutely refuse to say the Jofa line. I okay, think it's a, stu- it's a stupid nickname. I, I never understood... I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you on this. I never... I don't really love like the combination of letters, to be honest. Right. Someone, one of my colleagues, Sean Shapiro, who covers the Dallas Stars for the Athletic, had a tweet uh, during uh, during <laughs> uh, the postseason at some point, um, where he said that you know naming you know naming a, a forward line is like 
naming a, a like a, a like a, a stray animal that you might take into your home like you don't want to commit to giving it a name until it sticks around for a long time now of course that line you know this past season notwithstanding you know during the regular season has been together for several years but and they're just, under contract for a while too i've just so. i've just never liked it i, I don't okay. know why but see i and, thought you said there was gonna be no hot takes you're right. number two but anyway the way that that. So line, am I allowed to say it on the show? You can. I just re- I just refuse to. I just refuse to acknowledge them by that name. Oftentimes, when I talk about lines, I will refer to it by the center of the line. Yeah, I, so, I think that's the way most. So talking. I will say the Johansson line. And yes, most people yes. know what I'm referring do, to. Do you think less of me? No. If I say. I'm not even going to use it now if I say that word. I don't think less of anybody who chooses to use it. I just choose not to use it. Do you use nicknames in interview settings with players? (laughs) That's that's an interesting question. No, No, here is my rule of thumb when it comes to referring to players by their nicknames. I will never refer to a player by his nickname when acknowledging him. Like, I will not go to their face. Yes. I will not go up to Pecorina and say, hi, Pex. It's always Pekka. (laughs) I, I mean, it's I because you're a professional. So, but but here is my one here is my one caveat. When interviewing a player, if I'm mentioning another player, I might refer to Ooh. that other player by his nickname just because that player, you know, the players refer to refer to each other by their nickname. Sure. So if I'm talking to Pecorini about Ryan Ellis in the course of uh, in the course of an interview question, I might say Ellie just because that's how he knows. Ryan Ellis. Also, there are multiple Ryans on the team. That's true. If you so, said, how did Ryan play tonight? You'd be like, Hartman? I don't know. At Which one point, one? At one point <laughs> I, I did say that. I did do an interview with Pekka and mentioned Ryan, and I had to clarify which Ryan I was talking about because there was Ryan Johansson, Ryan Hartman, right. and Ryan Ellis. So, so the one that always bothered me, and this is... I, P.K. Subban said this to me a couple of different times in press conference settings when he was talking about his former goaltender in Montreal. He always called Carey Price Pricey. And I was like... His first name is five letters and ends in a Y. Yes. It meets all the hockey nickname criteria. Right. And you still have to call him Pricey. I, I just yeah. there's something about the nickname thing that it doesn't bother me. I've got bigger issues in life as twenty. The other the but. other thing I will refuse to do, and this is not just the hockey thing, I think this is especially now we're really off topic. Yes, but we'll get back to the topic at hand in a second. I think this is also quite uh prevalent in football. I will never refer to the head coach of a team as coach, and you know that I like if you're in, if I'm interviewing. Well, you John, and I had such a great relationship with Peter Laviolette. Though. Yes, I will never refer so. to John Hines in the interview seg- interview uh, interview setting as coach. What it does happen a ton in football, and I am guilty of it. I yes. have said it a, a million times, Coach Saban, Coach, you know, you know. I just Pruitt, feel whatever. that there's certainly a reverence that you're trying to that Respect. you're trying to per- portray. Uh, but he's not my coach. So, and also, I think it levels the playing field, at least in my eyes. I'm not putting him on the pedestal. <laughs> you, you, people don't, and, and it can be when you first get into this business, and now we're really off topic, but when you first get into this business, it is terrifying to go into your first press conference with a superstar millionaire coach and try to. I remember Steve, I had to do this with Steve Spurrier. It was like my first SEC Media Days, and I went into SEC Media Days, I went to this tiny little room. And, and I was almost like, uh, excuse me, Mr. Headball Coach. Like, I, I almost couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't say Steve. Like, this, I'm just some 25-year-old kid that he had never met before. But to your point, it, it, there, there is a leveling of the playing field. And so, okay, we're, we're off topic anyway, here. Anyway, what I'm trying, what I was trying to get Can I say it in radio at, interviews? Like, can you say, hey, Coach, 
What do you think about this? Or just no, no, no. good? Okay, all right. But back to what I was saying. When we talk about the core of the team, I think the play of the Johansson line in the postseason, albeit a four-game sample, I think just based on what David Poyle said after the season, I think sort of saved the three of them from the proverbial sure. uh, chopping block. Now, if, if an offer comes along, though. Right. Not you know. saying that they are untouchable, but I I do believe that the they played incredibly well in that series. Yeah. And because of that, I think it gave David Poyle confidence to run it back, those three, to run it back. Now, like we just said, that does not mean that, as you said, if the right offer presents itself, that David Poyle would not consider it. But I do believe that perhaps he perhaps he will uh, exercise more caution yeah. because of how they played in the postseason. Victor Arvidsson and Philip Forsberg don't concern me. It's playoff Johansson that concerns me from time to time. If you're going to get playoff Johansson, the guy who led them to the cup and dominated Jonathan Taves in the first round, the guy who was playing that way against Arizona, this is not – this is – you know, a, a bigger, more expensive version of Colin Wilson here. If if you can give me that for 82 games, that line I think should be untouchable. I'm okay with that line staying intact if if Johansson gives you what he gives you when you see him at his best and when he is grinding to dominate other people with his physicality and his size. He's just such a laid-back dude that it's just hard sometimes – it feels like for him to stay in that mold for 82 games, which is hard for, for anybody. So uh, set, setting up this question, I do want to put a few benchmarks in here for fans. Um, 9.3 million, I believe, is the cap space for this team, which is not – that takes away Mikael Granlund, Craig Smith, and the guys that are off the book. So not a lot of space Yes, to based on sign. the players who are under contract for next season. Right. They so, have roughly 9.3 million in space. That's without Colin Blackwell, without Dan Hamus, without Yannick Weber, without... So all the guys off the books, meaning st they still have to go fill their roster with some guys. Yes. Uh, with 9.3 million. It's not like they can give all of that to Taylor Hall. Uh, number two, a couple of dates. The draft is October 9th and 10th, correct? In October? I believe it's been... Uh, Unless I it got moved? I believe it's been moved up. Or will be moved up. Okay. Uh, you've got November 17th, I believe, is the start of training camp. And December 1st, I believe, is the start of the season. So just those are general. They, I think they can be – they are sort of TBD to some degree. Yes, they're but just, all tentative. I wanted to give everybody sort of a baseline of what the schedule looks like. And I, I know the expansion draft for the Kraken, which I think is one of the better rollouts of an expansion franchise from across the board. Um, I do want to – phrase everything through the lens of the expansion draft because we're talking about the core players right so before we get into who should be moved and franchise this and and free agent that which is <laughs> what we're going to talk about um you know you see soros so the the two structures are four defensemen four skaters and a goaltender or you can go seven forwards three defensemen and a goaltender if you believe that dante fabro matias Eckholm, and ryan ellis and roman yossi are the core of the team as we all sort of do. I'm assuming you agree with me on that one. You're going to go four plus four here. You're going to protect Soros. And I assume you're going to protect the Johansson line. <laughs> uh, so Arvidsson, Forsberg, Johansson, and then I guess Matt Duchesne, unless you really feel like throughout this process, you learn something next year that says he just maybe isn't the guy. He did not perform well against Arizona at times. I still think he is too good of a player who's wanted to be here for too long that you can't you can't let him walk it does unprotect you know you you leave unprotected Kyle Turris, Kyle Yarncrook, Colton Sissons 
Um, you know, Pecorine could be unprotected in theory if he if he's still on the roster. So I guess my question is, is giving people that refresher through that lens, how much does does that play into David Poyle's decision making moving forward and and some of the decisions he's going to make this offseason? Yeah, if, cer- if at all. Well, certainly because there are there are first of all, just to be clear, because I have received questions on this, the expansion draft is next summer. It's right, not right. this summer. Right. I want if I didn't make that clear, yes. I apologize. No, I, but it's it's 2021. It's not happening in the next couple of months. But there are certain thresholds that each team has to meet in terms of the type of player or players rather that are being exposed in terms of experience. Um, contract, it, it, contract, yeah. etc. So, uh, as we know, when the Vegas Golden Knights came into existence three years ago, the Predators, I think, were one of six or seven teams uh, of the other thirty uh, to to use the four, the eight skater, one defenseman uh, uh, method of protection. Uh, so they protected Pecorine. Uh, they protected the top four defensemen, which at the time were. Ellis, Yossi, Ekholm, and Subban, and they protected Forsberg, Johansson, Arvidsson, and Yarncroke. Um, so that did left not a, have to protect Soros. A few other young players. Soros was exempt. Um, you know, ultimately, as we know, James Neal was uh, plucked by the Vegas Golden Knights um, in the Kelly expansion Yarncroke's draft. Been better the last two years. <laughs> Any, anyway, um, <laughs> let's not let's not tear off that band aid. Yeah, um, anyway. Enough. Uh, so this coming uh, this coming expansion draft with Seattle, um, you know, I, I did the story about this at some point during the pause, just because I needed something to write about. Um, you know, I, I tried to break it down in two ways. I tried to do both protection plans, so to speak. Sounds like I'm buying a cell phone, but the both protection plans: the eight skater, one goaltender, and seven forwards, three defensemen, one goaltender. Now, you know, just to be clear. Uh, you know, Pecorine will be an unrestricted free agent next summer. So that sort of makes him exempt in the sense that uh, Seattle is not going to draft a, a 38-year-old uh, who's, not under contract. who's not under contract because he doesn't have to sign the contract. I mean, he could just, you know, basically... He's not if, even eligible, really. Right, basically, if I believe, I'm not sure if this happened in Ve- with Vegas. I don't think it did. Uh, but my understanding is if a team were to draft an unre- a pending unrestricted free agent. It would just basically be like picking his rights. Like that gives you the window right. to negotiate with him exclusively, but it's, you know, but if the if the player is not interested, then you're just wasted a pick. So, you don't have to worry about that. UC Soros will be the goaltender that's protected. You know, you think about some of the uh, you know, you think about some uh, of the contingency plans um, that the Predators might have to put in place in terms of signing or re-signing players to make sure that they meet the eligibility requirements. Um, you know, Philip Tomasino, Ellie Tolvanen, uh, Rem Pitlick, Jeremy Davies, they are exempt. You know, I, I had that confirmed by the Predators Hockey Operations Department earlier in the summer. The one major prospect who would not be exempt is Connor Ingram. Um, who's the goaltender? Who's the goaltender yeah. um, for the AHL right now? Yes. Who, in theory, would step in as the backup behind UC Saros in place of Pecorino should he decide to retire and yes. or walk away at any point? Yes. So, um, you know, that's one thing you have to keep in mind. You know, when I did the eight skater one goaltender format, it led to, as you mentioned, 
you know, the possibility of Kyle Turse being available, Colton Sissons, Kelly Yarncroke, Connor Ingram. Uh, when I did the 7-3-1, I actually left off Matthias Ekholm for the purpose of the exercise. Um, oh, I remember that. Just because the contract, right? Just because I believe he will have one year left on this contract. It's a fabulous contract. Uh, but uh, the Predators, as you mentioned earlier oh, in the man. in the show, you know, Ekholm had a down year this year compared to his previous years, but still a solid year overall. He's going to, you know, cost significantly more than his $3.75 million cap hit currently. You already have a lot of money in years tied up into Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis. You know, Dante Fabro is on an entry-level contract. He'll need a standard contract at some point. Can you make that long-term commitment to Matias Ekholm? You, you might have to bite the bullet um, just because I don't think you can have all three of those defensemen under long-term big-money contracts under the salary so, cap structure. Somebody, so I just, Somebody has to be not signed to a seven-year contract right. at some so, point. Like, so do you risk losing Matias Ekholm one year early in order to protect Colton Sissons, Callie Yarncroke, yeah. et cetera? I, mean, I, I see the value. Colton Sissons, 100%, especially with his value right now with what he does, as you mentioned, becoming the Nick Benino. So I wanted to make sure we sort of set that lens so that every time we talk about re-signing if you if you go out and want to re-sign a big free agent Taylor Hall or just bring back Mikhail Granlin for example which again I don't think either of those things is going to happen but let's say hypothetically that's what you're thinking as a fan you have to then immediately consider oh that person could be available then in the the very next year in the in the expansion draft now that could be an interesting strategy by David Poyle to sign somebody and then knowing that he's going to lose a good player, but getting him for one year, even though he signs him to the long-term contract, I'm not sure anyone's ever done that on purpose before. I wouldn't put it past a guy like David Poyle, who's been a general manager for literally the same number of years I've been alive. Uh, that'd be 38, uh, I believe. So let's get into the free agents then. And before we look at Mikhail Grenland and Craig Smith, the two main free agents that are costing almost $10 bucks, uh, are actually right at $10 bucks, I think. Anybody else on the roster that you think is worth of note as far as money, you know, concerned if they lose them, definitely want to bring them back? Or, you know, who else on the roster should should be mentioned here before we get to Craig Smith and, and Grandland? Well, in terms of unrestricted free agents, yes. with the news that Dan Hamhuis uh, retired last month, he was one of those unrestricted free agents. So you have Mikhail Grandland, Craig Smith, Colin Blackwell, uh, Corbinian Holzer, and Yannick Weber. I believe those are the five uh, notable unrestricted free agents. Um, restricted, uh, Yakov Trenin. Um, Rem Pitlick is also up for a new deal. He, he, I don't know exactly how to explain it. He's what the I believe the NHL terms as a 10.2 player. I think it's a clause in the CBA. Don't ex- ask me to explain it. Basically, he's he's old enough that he should be a restricted free agent. But because he doesn't have enough service time, he doesn't have the benefit of being a restricted free agent. So basically, it just means that he has to resign with the Predators. That's just a which is good news yes, for everybody. Which is a complicated, which is a complicated. Yeah. It's, an, it's a it's an easy way to explain a complicated situation. But in terms of unrestricted free agents, Granlund, Smith, Blackwell, Holzer, and Weber. Do you, do you want them to bring back anybody? We'll get to the top two. Take the top two. Out. I would like them to bring back Colin Blackwell. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he he can sign a near league minimum deal, maybe a hair above league minimum. Um, I really liked what I saw from him uh, 
at the NHL level. You need cheaper guys on this team. Uh, certainly, he can qualify. Um, you know, I think for veteran depth, one of Holzer or Weber should come back, and it also could satisfy eligibility requirements for the expansion draft. I would lean towards Yannick Weber just because he's been on the team for four years versus Holzer, who was a trade deadline acquisition who I think appeared in two games, maybe three. Um, so you know what you're getting from Weber. He's also the team's NHLPA representative, which doesn't mean a whole lot in contract negotiations, I don't think, but, you know, does play an important role on the team in that regard. So, you know, I could see Yannick Weber coming back for a year or two at a cheap deal, Blackwell being signed for uh, for a cheap deal, um, let Holzer go just because, you know, he didn't really do anything. Uh, so those that would be my that would be my uh, analysis of those of those three. So, Granlin has already announced um, that he will pursue free agency. Five point seven five million dollars on his contract. He's twenty eight years old, eighteen goals, seventeen assists in seventy nine games as a Nashville Predator. I think most people, when they think about M- Mikhail Granlin, they think, mm, meh, didn't didn't. And I think this was in your story at the beginning of the offseason that. A lot of, I think you got this from either an agent or a scout that said, it feels like the Preds aren't checking underneath the hood on a lot of these <laughs> players that they're going to get. Yes. And I would, I would try to boil that down into sort of common speak fans, fan language as David Poyle went after a lot of shiny objects, yes. a lot of finesse, a lot of skill, a lot of handsy toolsy guys that can do a lot of stuff in space. And they overshot in my opinion. They have too many of those guys. Granlund is one of them. That being said... And this was in your story as well. Who led the team in ice time and goals when since John Hines took over? Mikhail of all the forwards, Granlin led the team in goals and ice time. What do you make of his performance as a Nashville Predator? It does feel like he's gone. Yeah, I, I just I just don't see a fit, and I, and I think the feeling is mutual. I I don't know if Granlin sees a fit as much as the Predators might see a fit. Um, it just it just didn't work out, and I, I know that a lot of Predators fans um, have watched um, how Kevin Fiala has blossomed into a big name uh, producer, a big point producer for the Minnesota Wild, and, and certainly believe the Predators have lost that trade. It looks like it at the time. It made a lot of sense to David Poyle's credit. He did acknowledge on the day of the trade, which was at the 2019 trade deadline. That you know, Kevin Fiala is a young player. He's still developing, and if he becomes a big name scorer, then they'll regret it. I mean, he acknowledged the risk in trading a younger player for an older player. Um, but Granlund, at the time, you know, had flirted with, I believe, seventy points in consecutive seasons. Um, you know, certainly a, a, a big uh, a big producer uh, for the Wild. Um, and Fiala doesn't solve the finesse lack of grit thing anyway like he might be a really really good player which we all knew was possible but his big thing was you know Lavi was always pissed about him not coming back on defense and playing two ways fully I mean there was a lot of growth and development that needed to happen he is not a stand in the crease and grind it out in the dirty areas player anyway so I'm not sure he solves the team's problems should that trade have been reversed even though we can't go back and and what helped Fiala immensely was the wild making a coaching change from Bruce Boudreau to Dean Evason Dean Evason of course for several years was the head coach of the Milwaukee Admirals and was there when Kevin Fiala first arrived in the Predators organization and played a large role 
in, in, in Kevin's development. So the familiarity with Dean, I think, played a big role in Kevin having uh, the season that he did for the Wild um, this past year. Um, but, you know, Granlund, you know, despite having uh, a, a resurgence of sorts under John Hines for most of his time in Nashville, just was not a factor. Um, I just I just don't think it was the right fit for either side. And as you mentioned, uh, Granlin's agent, uh, Todd Diamond, told me earlier this month um, that uh, they will be testing free agency. I specifically asked the question, have you closed the door on re-signing with the Predators? Um, that was in, in the we will test. We'll be oh, going to the open market or seeing what it has to offer was his response to that. <laughs> I followed up with is that so is that a yes? And he said we will not be re-signing before the market right. opens. Right. Now, one thing to keep in mind with the new CBA over the past several years, the NHL has had what what's known in the NBA, I believe, as the legal tampering period where you had the week leading into free agency where you could reach out to free agents, have them come visit, you know, talk to them on the phone. The that's, NFL does this That's now gone. Too. Yeah. Free agency begins at 11 a.m. Central on whatever day in October free agency starts. So it's going to be like it was back in the yeah. back in the old days, quote-unquote. Free-for-all. A free-for-all. So I just think that Mikhail Granlund is smart to see what his uh to see what his market is i i think if if the if i i personally believe that if there was a chance of him re-signing his agent wouldn't have been so yeah. forceful in saying we are going to market to me that was as close to as a, that was as close to an admission that they are closing the door on the predators right. without specifically saying we are closing the door on the predators I, I would agree i don't know how they afford him number one and and i certainly don't think that that his skill is what they desperately need i think he's a good player craig smith is different for me though this is a guy who i know only scored 18 goals but he scored 18 goals I think six out of the last seven seasons. He does play with with pace and tempo. He does bring a little physicality, a little bit of size to the game. He's played, I think, more games. I want to say he's like, what, third or fourth all-time in games played? Fifth, fifth I believe. I think the only players ahead of him, not necessarily in this order, are Pecorine, David Legwand, Martin Erat, and I guess Shea Weber. Yeah, mate, we can we can look that up. We've yes. got the internet. Um Four and a quarter, 31 years old. He'll, he turns, uh, he'll be 31 years old for the entirety of this upcoming season. I, I guess my question, he, he averaged his career average. He was right at about his career averages for goals per game, which is, is 0.25 goals per game and 0.5 points per game. He's a half a point per game player. He was sort of right at those numbers this season. So still, he still played with a lot of pace. My question is how cheap could he is he willing to take a pay cut? And, and do you think he, do you bring him back if you can get him for two and a half, three million dollars? Or is he just, is that, any, is that, any, is that not even on the table for him? Well, here, here's the thing about Craig Smith when I think about what the Predators might decide to do in the offseason in general. You know, if they, if they are as committed to bringing in some younger players as they say they are, like your Rem Pitlicks or your Ellie Tolanins or your Philip Tomasinos, that's great. But there is risk in going all in on youth. And if this team intends to continue to compete, they they need to make sure that they have established players on the roster too. Especially if you're losing Granlund and you're perhaps parting with Turris, 
you know, that leaves a lot of openings in your top six. Now, do you want to flank Matt Duchesne on the second line with two, you know, and unproven NHL players? I mean, that no. you don't want to do that. So, I mean, I remember earlier this summer, I was, I was asked a question in one of my monthly mailbags to put together a Predators roster. If they were not to wade into free agency, they part with Granlund, Smith, and Turris. And they just fill the holes from within. It's it's not on pretty paper. After that. It was not a playoff team. Yeah, like my I think my projected second line was Yakov Trenin, Matthew Shane, and Ellie Tolvanen. Like that's not that's not going to get it done. So do you bring Smith back as sort Maybe of? They a, are in a rebuilding. <laughs> right. Do you, you mean do you bring back Craig Smith and as an insurance policy? You know you don't sign him to you know you sign him to a short term contract. He takes a pay cut. Um, but you have an established twenty goal scorer on your second line with Matthew Shane. It, it, it takes. I like the, the move. Takes the pressure off of the younger guys yep. um, to have to produce in that role. You know, the one thing that gives me pause about Craig Smith for all of the all of the consistency he's had in uh, the regular season is I just looked this up. It, he's played fifty two career playoff games. He has seven goals, sixteen points, and fifty two playoff games. You know, that's not the one in four number that he's had throughout his career. No. So, you know, that gives me pause. He has shown not to be a, a producer in the playoffs, and that's when you mm. need him to produce. But I do believe that the Predators need to make an attempt to guard against going all in on, on youth. And, and Craig Smith, you know, he's in his early 30s. I think he'll be 31 before this before next season starts, whenever that is. Um, so, you know, you don't want to give him five years again, like he that he that he like he had on his recent contract, on his expiring contract. Could you get him for two years, six million? If they were willing to do that, I mean, I don't think that's a terrible ask. I mean, you think I, Craig Smith is willing to do that? I, I think if he, I think that if he, like, I'm curious about how the free agent market is going to work for players like Craig Smith because. First of all, the the free agent market isn't brimming with high end talent this off season, but just because of this flat cap, I wonder if those guy those middle six guys like Craig Smith are the guys that get squeezed out. You know, well, there's only two things, right? They either get squeezed up and everybody overpays right. because there's nothing available, or everyone goes, "No, I'm going to go with the devil I know," right. which in this case would be the predator saying, "You know what? We'll give you maybe a couple more bucks than we would have." Or that we wanted to, but we know who you are. You're a proven right. commodity. You know you're not going to go get six million dollars on the open market. So why don't you stay here for for three, three and a half, three and a quarter? I, I don't know. I, he has to take a pay cut to come back. He will not. He will not make the same amount he's making now or more. Uh, if the Predators want him back, he's going to have to take less. And I think at this stage of his career, uh, especially for as long as he's been here, I mean. We 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 always we associate Craig Smith with the Nashville Predators. Yep. So I I don't think that I mean I don't know this to be sure, but I don't think he would be opposed to that just okay. based on his history. We we've done almost three quarters of an hour here, and we have not talked about Kyle Turris. So <laughs> we, we're going to get to quickly. I've got a Pecorine question. Uh, I've also got some of those youth names that you mentioned, um, guys that we think the system, because the Athletic has ranked the National Predators farm system, and it's not pretty. We'll get to that in a second. But I do think there are some contributed pieces there that have been high draft picks of late that David Poyle has added to the system that I think could provide value this year. So we'll get to that. But let's let's get into the Kyle Turris thing here, because I don't I'm, I, I want it to be super complicated. I feel like it's super complicated, and I'm not sure that it really is. So Kyle Turris, 
We know all about his 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 bio here. If you don't, forty two points in sixty five games in his first season as a Nashville Predator. Again, remember he was traded for in November, I believe, really early on in the year. November twenty seventeen. There you go, and signed the contract as a part of the trade. Six year, thirty six million, six million per uh, on the AAV there. Uh, so forty two points, sixty five games in the two full seasons since then. 54 points in 117 games, well below his career pace. Ended up as a healthy scratch with Peter Laviolette a few times. We, we can go on and on and on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> here are the two options for the Nashville. Maybe there's three options for the Nashville Predators. You keep him on the roster, hope he gets taken in the expansion draft. You pay him $6 million a year for the remaining four years of his contract. That's one option. Doesn't seem like that's a viable option past one season. The other option is to buy him out. It is not as simple as just you know, four years, $24 million, which is what's left on the deal. It is $16 million over eight years. So you do save $4 million a year in your cap, but you extend it out four more years. So he'd be on the roster for eight seasons as a cap hit for $2 million a year, which as the cap maybe goes up in a few years could be more manageable. Yes. That's option two. Option three is maybe you add, add something to him, <laughs> whether that's a draft pick or a prospect or something to get the contract off the books and tried to trade him. Are there any other options and or how reasonable, how feasible do we feel like all of these options are with Kyle Turris? There's also the change of scenery trade, the bad contract for bad contract trade. You know, the most recent example uh, occurring, I believe it was last summer uh, when the Oilers and Flames swapped James Neal and Milan Lucic, you know, they're, they probably weren't going to get out of those contracts, but you know, you find another team that has a similar situation with a bad deal on their books, and you say, "Hey, you know, we'll give you Kyle Terrace. We'll take Player X. You know, maybe it'll work out." You know, it's funny because in that, in, in I think the Preds could use either of those guys because they like to stir some shit up well, and they need one of those players. Well, in in a recent mailbag I did, I received a question from a reader saying, "Can you see any scenario in which the Predators make a?" Lucic for Neal type trade with Turris. And I said, it's funny that you bring up James Neal because I would propose a Kyle Turris for James Neal trade. Um, How, I mean, is this just you having fun on a Friday night? This or is do you me think having, it's actually, this is me having, this is me playing armchair general manager. Okay. All right. uh, you know, their cap hits are nearly identical. James Neal is 5.75. Kyle Turris is six. James Neal has one fewer, one fewer year, one less year, one fewer year, whatever on his contract. So perhaps the Predators would have to sweeten the pot, maybe throw in a draft pick. I don't know. But it, it you you get a winger, an established winger, a winger who is beloved by the fan base, a winger, as you said, so eloquently stirs shit up. Doesn't mind to pick um, up a penalty. He, he is he is past his prime. He is clearly past his prime, uh, but he can still be an effective player. I mean, it's funny because I, I you know I'm not sure what the likelihood of that happening is, but yeah. on paper... I mean, I don't know what the Oilers' needs are. I don't know if they need Kyle Turris. I don't, but you know, it would it would be uh, it would be an interesting reunion of sorts for James Neal. I mean, we know that James Neal loved it here. I, I mean, last I checked, he yeah. still owned his home here. I don't think he ever got rid of it. So uh, why not? Where, mean, where does Kyle Turris fit into your? Hey, if you're going to go youth movement, you need some veteran experience around him. Like writing it out essentially, and letting Craig Smith walk, letting Granlin walk, letting all these guys go, so you have extra space. You keep Kyle Turris, and you and he plays the role of veteran, or is it just we just need to 
we need to punt on Kyle Turris. It's just it's just not working. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a good question. New, new coach, you got a new coaching staff right. now, right? It's a new it's a new it's a good question. But when I look at when I look at what he has been able to do in Nashville, and it hasn't really been that much outside of the first six weeks he was here when he was a point per game player. Um, I, I just think at this point any any a chance uh, of keeping him on the roster is, you know, what, what's the what's the saying? The the round peg in the square hole or yeah. square peg in a round hole? I don't know. I think they both fit. Actually. They both fit. Or they don't fit. They don't fit. Yeah. Um, that's where I feel like you are with Kyle Terrace. Yeah. I, I just don't I just don't see a long term fit. And the buyout will be tough to swallow. But four million dollars in freed cap space is not an insin- insignificant amount when considering the cap situation of the next few years as the NHL tries to, uh, you know, regain its revenue from not having fans um, and, and so on. Um, I, I just think it's time. And if that were to happen, um, if the Predators were to buy out or move on in some form or fashion from Kyle Turris, I do not believe here's, here's my third hot take uh, of the, of the, uh, of the show. Um, I do not believe it would be hyperbolic to say that if Kyle Turris were to be jettisoned in some form or fashion this offseason, even perhaps even before it I, happens, I think I know where you're going here. The worst trade of David Poyle's yeah. Predators career. I, I don't think it's a hot take because I think you you'd have to have a million people disagree with you I <laughs> for it to be a hot take. You know who the Predators could use right now? A young savvy puck moving defenseman like Sam Gerrard that's what they could use right now we'll, we'll get to the drafts in just a few minutes uh, although we, we I, might, I might have to go rapid fire with you here at the end here because we spent so much time on all, all this good stuff it, let's say they so is your projection they buy him out is that is that the guess right now that would be my guess I'm going after to... efforting to try to get a, a James Nealish type of trade yes that yeah. is my guess that that's my guess as well here's my question Kyle Turris is off let's go a little more rapid fire here Kyle Turris is off the books Craig Smith is off the books Granlin's off the books all these big names are off the books. Uh, do they have space to be a player for anybody? And of course, the name everyone's going to talk about is Taylor Hall, who is about a seven or eight million dollar a year player. I'm not. I'm not sure where you find that money, but he did have a great relationship with head coach John Hines in New Jersey, so it does have to be mentioned. So, in sort of a a, a short answer here, if all those pieces are gone and they do create space, is it possible that they make a play for something, somebody like that? Certainly. And, you know, the other the other free agent winger um, who I who I personally think they should look at. I mean, you certainly Taylor Hall is going to be mentioned because of his past relationship with John Hines. And it's I mean, it was a relationship that led Taylor Hall to win a heart trophy. So, I mean, it's it's pretty good. It's a pretty good relationship. You know, they think very highly of each other. The other winger I would consider is Mike Hoffman. Um, who currently plays for the Florida Panthers? Um, one of the you know one of the most consistent high end goal scorers in the league that doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Um, I think when I did the math, he I think he was 16th among forwards in goals over the past four or five years. He played with Matt Duchesne in Ottawa. They were line mates. Um, you know he he is a you know shoot first ask questions later kind of player um <laughs> and he's got an exceptional shot and he so uh, you know 
if the Predators were going to to go big game hunting in free agency, which I don't think they're going to do, but I think Mike Hoffman is someone they should seriously consider. I, I don't mind if they don't go big game hunting, especially if they can if they bring back Craig Smith, let Granlund and Turris you know get out from underneath the tourist contract in some way shape or form i do think that there needs to be a Corey perry ish type of move right when they were you know he signed with what dallas as a free agent yes. a veteran player i don't know if ryan callahan fits that mold or not well, i think he, callahan's career is over and, and he may be done but that kind of guy right like that guy who 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 just is is physical again it's like almost like another nick Benino. there are three players there are three players that come to mind when i think of power forwards like that two on the free agent market and one who's a restricted free agent who's probably on his way out of his current situation Corey perry is one of them pat maroon is the second and josh anderson of the columbus blue jackets um is the restricted free agent um Look, you know, the idea of, of of Corey Perry and a Predators uniform probably made our listeners throw up in their mouth no, a little bit. No, I've, I've come around so far on this. I'm a complete 180 on this. I, I want that dude on the team. I liked I liked his contract um, with the with the Stars because remember he was bought out by the Anaheim he was bought out by the Anaheim Ducks. Um, so he had that money coming in. Um, he signed a one point, I, I believe it was a one point five million dollar contract with up to one point seven five in, in incentives, and they were based around games. I think he got five hundred thousand for if each he was two years game if, segment. If he was two years younger, I would love it. Yeah, I mean he's not going to find be, a two year younger. He's not a top six Perry. player anymore. No, uh, but you know if you want a, a third line guy who can who can stir some things up Just and piss some people and off piss man. people off yes yeah I, I mean I certainly believe the predators need a player with that bite I mean it's ab- that's what's absolutely missing from this roster they need a player like a Corey Perry you know like a Pat Maroon you know they need a play they you know players like Tom Wilson and Matthew Kachuk and and, and Brad Marchand don't grow on trees yeah, so yeah. you're not gonna have yeah, yeah. A, you're gonna have a hard time getting them but a players like them. Um, but you know, if you can find like a cheaper, you know, version, you know, I think they should go for it. Uh, off the wall question here about Pecorino. Number one, do you think he settles in Nashville after his career is over? No, I think he, he goes, I, I think he moves back to Finland. Goes back to Finland. Okay. Cause I know he's got the fancy smart house and everything here in town. And, and you know, there's a chance I'm, I'm just curious. I've had a, multiple people ask me, do you think he stays here? And you've already mentioned James Neal. I could see here. him. Keeping and all these guys love this stuff when they, come I could here. see him keeping a residence here, but I don't think he'll live here full time. I mean, a lot of, a lot of former players have settled here. We know of course, like, you know, like Chris Mason, who of course is on sure. the broadcast, JP Dumont, JP Dumont, Stu yep. Grimson, yep. Um, Kimo Timonen uh, yep. lives here. Um, you know, I re- I remember back in January when uh, when the Predators played the Devils for the first time and had an opportunity to speak to PK Subban. He mentioned he kept his home in Franklin. Yeah. Um, so who knows if he'll ever use it again? But it's there. <laughs> so any, any chance that that's this season that he moves on? That he just retires? No, I, I think he plays out his contract. So he's a backup essentially, but gets probably more games than a traditional backup gets. Yes. I, I I think that's an awesome way to go out, honestly, especially if the team can make some improvements and be a playoff team. So wanted to quickly touch on again Pecorine, uh, five million dollar cap hit this last year. This could be his last season, probably will be his last season in a Predators uniform. Could be a last season as a goaltender in the NHL. Thirty eight years old in November, uh, and again numbers have gone down five straight years. And clearly, UC Saros was the starting goaltender in the postseason. Um, 
All right, 29th rated farm system by The Athletic. Go read up on everybody's farm system in the NHL on The Athletic. Uh, Corey Pronman did that for, for you guys uh, at the website there. Pay for good journalism. 29th, there's only 31 teams, Adam. And so I, I will say this, though. He listed Ellie Tolvin in number one on the list. He had Dante Fabro at number two, who's already a top four defenseman. Uh, he had Philip Tomasino at number three. He had Yakov Trenin at number four. He had uh, Igor... Afanasiev. Afanasiev at number five. Uh, he had David Ferentz at number six. Uh, he did not have Rem Pitlick or Alex Carrier on that list. There's a chance that almost all of Jeremy Davies and Connor Ingram were not were sort of loosely mentioned in, on that list. There's a good chance that like all eight of these dudes play uh, some in some capacity for this team. So the farm system, while ranked 29th, I, and I, I get it, it's not deep. It's not, you know, it doesn't have Alexander Ovechkins in it, but it, it does feel like it's going to contribute this year. Yeah, and they needed to. Um, when I look at the the players that are are the most likely to graduate, I think of L.A. Tolvin and I think of Rem Pitlick. Um, I think of Philip Tomasino. Um, I, I think uh, Igor Afanasiev probably has another year in junior uh, hockey awaiting him. Uh, Connor Ingram, I think, uh, will be the uh, the number one starter in Milwaukee this past season. He and Troy Grosnick basically alternated every other start, but I think Ingram will now be the full time starter, um, the clear number one starter. Um, I, I you know I think Alex Carrier uh, could be a third pairing defenseman on the Predators next season, um, but uh, certainly. You know, the Predators, as we talked about earlier, are, are putting a lot of uh, emphasis on getting younger, but also putting a lot of importance on those players immediately contributing or being put in positions where they're going to be expected to immediately contribute. Like, if you put Ellie Tolvanen on a second line with Matt Duchesne, he better start scoring and quick. You know, if he's going to score eight, nine goals, that's not going to work. Um, so... You know, this is why, you know, you have to, uh, you know, you have to look for those veterans uh, to, yep. uh, you know, to take the pressure off. Or even a younger player who has NHL experience. You know, I think of, I mentioned Josh Anderson earlier, who I believe is 26, had 27 goals for the Blue Jackets in the 18-19 season, had a shoulder problem this season, only had one goal, um, missed a lot of the season. Uh, but he's still in the prime of his career. He could be a good second line player for this team. Gives you that 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 grit and that size and that bite. Um, it also takes the pressure off of your Tolvanens and Pitlicks. So I, I yeah. think it's important for the Predators to to emphasize the youth, but not to go all in on the youth. I I think that's it, Adam. I I think we covered everything you need to know. We're not going to start ranking draft prospects on the podcast. So. Hmm. We'll get to that at some point when the draft actually happens. We'll be able to review some of the players that, that they go after. Again, keep in mind, they've drafted, I believe, Kevin Fiala and Ryan Ellis with the 11th overall pick. Correct. So that's coming up here in, in, in a little while. But by and large, I can't imagine that we missed anything <laughs> in the Preds offseason plans. Is this it, David Poyle just has this on his desk, right? Like the list of things we just covered is what David Poyle is He's listening right now and adding anything he might have missed to uh, his list. David, rate, review, and subscribe, okay? If you could for us, uh, I'm sure you'll give us a, a very high very high marks for all the praise we, we heaped upon you. Um, Adam, follow him on Twitter, at Adam Vingan, and make sure you subscribe and pay for really good journalism at The Athletic, of course. You can follow me at Twitter, uh, on, on Twitter, at Braden Gall. Thank you for listening to our first ever debut episode of The Gold Standard. We'll be back 
We've got plenty of stuff coming for you once a week, so stay tuned. Please rate, review, and subscribe. That's how everybody finds out that you love the show or hate the show or whatever. Uh, so please do that. Again, this is the gold standard. Adam Vingan, thanks a lot, man. Anytime, my friend. Absolutely, and we'll be back. My name is Braden Gall. Thanks for listening. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network. The Gold Standard is a production of 440 Media, LLC. Music by Aaron Lee Tasjan.